But if you got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Psalm 112, and we're going to continue on our series uh, this morning. And uh, this is going to be the last, the last day I'm just talking about moving forward, although it's not it. This is the word that God gave us for this entire year. So again, I want to encourage you, if this is a church that you call home, if this is a place that you're saying, yeah, you know what, this is where I belong, this is where I'm planting and I'm rooting myself in, I would encourage you, take these words moving forward. I don't, don't want it just to be a nice little catchy phrase that we use for the year and, oh yeah, what's your church doing? Oh, we're moving forward, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. I mean, whenever God gives me a word, I write it down. I put it down in my journal and I'm thinking on it. I'm meditating on it. I'm spending time with the Lord asking him, Lord, what does it look like for me? So if you're part of this church family, I encourage you to do the same. Write these words down or get one of those little cards. Put it on your fridge. Move forward. This is what God's plan is for us as a church family, for you as an individual, for you as a family. This is what God is calling and saying to us. So we got to take hold of it and we got to run with it. Yeah. Right? That's what Habakkuk tells us, is it not? Yeah. Right? You're supposed to get the vision. And then what do you do? Make it plain. Right? That's why we have those, even those big word letters up there that Joel mentioned in, in his story. You belong here. We put it on here because that, make it plain so all can see it. Well, if move forward, make it plain so that you can see it. So that whenever you're running through your house, oh, move forward. Uh, you gotta run into it. You gotta constantly put it in front of your eyes so that you're seeing it. Right? There's something about seeing it that brings it back to the forefront of your thinking. Right? Okay. Awesome. Well, Psalm 112, and uh, again, I'm good, again, just laying a little bit of a foundation for those that haven't been here all this time yet. This has been a fun series to talk about because this is what God's doing in our life. And uh, I want to, I mean, I'm already stirred up, so I'm, I can see I'm holding my Bible just to keep it calm a little bit. But I'm excited because God's got a word for you this morning. God, again, just how you've been encouraged or you've been challenged these last couple weeks is going to continue on this morning. I mean, I'm getting challenged by it, so giddy up. So... <clears throat> this is what we all started. This is where it all began. But God has good plans for your future. You have to absolutely believe that. That it gets out of the Christian cliche world and out of the meme world and into my belief system that God has a good future for me. Can we say that together? God has a good future for me. For my family. For this church. God has a good future. You have got to believe that. Right? And it can't just be like, oh yeah, I know that in the back burner. You know, God is good and He's got good things for me. Now we've got to bring it again to the forefront of our thinking. God is good. He's got good things in store for me. And Psalm 112 really lays out what I believe to be the characteristics of someone who is following, you know, their plan, the God's plan for their life. So let's put it up on the screen there. Psalm 112, it says this, Praise the Lord! <laughs> Whenever you see that, I encourage you, just take a moment and have a little praise party. <laughs> Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! <laughs> Praise the Lord! Heaven's going to be very awkward for you all if you're not ready for this. We're just gearing up for what the real party's going to be looking like. Oh, there, there's. Praise the Lord! Can you guys go back to the long screen again? I can see it here too. Praise the Lord! How joyful! I, know, I love this verse. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Now notice what it says there. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and obey His commands. See, a lot of time people are kind of thinking, if I follow God and if I do His word, I'm going to be miserable. Right? How lame it is to serve God. And oh man, i got to get into my Bible. How, oh, it's so draining and dull. Well, let me tell you this. This is an Old Testament guy writing this. 
Now let me ask you this. Is an Old Testament, is it better or worse than the New Testament? It's worse. The New Testament's got better promises. Grace has been provided for you and I. The Old Testament, there wasn't, you know, the grace of God like we're experiencing it today in the fullness compared to what it was in the Old Testament. Now, if this psalmist can write, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands? How much more should we New Testament grace people be excited about it? We see the Word of God, we go, yeah! Why? Because it's exciting, it's exhilarating, it's life-changing. The psalmist in the Old Testament experienced, how much more should we? Okay. That, this is, I'm level one right now. Yeah. All right, I'm level one. Okay, verse two. It says this. Click. Their children, now notice this. These are people again that fear the Lord, right? That are delighting in the word. This is what the word says. This is what it's going to look like for your life. Their children will be a success everywhere. 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 What if they move to none of it? everywhere <laughs> what if they stay in red deer everywhere i love this an entire generation of godly people will be blessed click they themselves will be how that feel coming out they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever light shines in the darkness for the godly, they are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Man, that's, isn't that good? Yes. These are people that get excited about what God has to say. They hold on to His promises. They're looking at what He said and going, Man, I believe this. He is for me. He is good to me. I believe He's got the good things in store for me. It says right there, Such people will not be overcome by evil. Well, what about all the terror stuff that's going out there? What about all the, you know, the government and the political realm that's going out there? Who gives a rip? If I delight in the Lord, such people, I will not be overcome by evil. Come on, y'all. This is the Word. This is what He says. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Some people are hoping that some people die. Not for the righteous. <laughs> right? They're hoping to be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They continually trust the Lord to take care of them. Verse 8. They are confident and fearless. Now, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about everyone in this room. This is who we can be. If you're not there yet, this is where we're heading. I am to be confident and fearless, and I can face my foes triumphantly. I'm already going at it as if I already win. They shall freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds, oh, go back. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And I love this last part. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away, and their hopes will throw out. Thwarted. <laughs> yeah, there it is. But man, ain't that good? So you know what? God's got good things for us. He's got a good future. God wants to show Himself strong to the world through you and I. But think about that for a sec. If God wanted to, He could open up the heavens and say, Hey, y'all, here I am. Look at me. I'm amazing. Right? He could do that, but He has chosen not to do that. So how is He going to reveal Himself to the world? He's going to do it through... His church. Who's His church? Who's the church? We are. He wants to use you and I to show off on how good He really is. Now just to prove this, Romans 11.11, 11, I love this verse. 
but it's a good reminder for you and I. But this is a fact that you, if you kind of read it in context, this talks about the Israelis, the Jews at that time, they did not receive God's righteousness according to God's way. So what they did is they tried to get the righteousness of God through the law, their own way, by being good enough in order to please God. You know, that's not God's way, right? You guys all know that? In order to be, you know, righteous before God, it's not me working hard to try to be good enough in order for God to be pleased. You will never amount to it. You'll never ever reach it. Jesus has already done the work. So my faith or my trust in Jesus makes me righteous. So this is what, this is what Paul is saying, and I want you to read this. Verse 11. So did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Talking about the Jewish people because they refused it? No. Says no, of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But look at this. But he wanted his own people, the Jews, to become jealous and claim it for themselves. We're supposed to make the Jews jealous. <laughs> Think about that for a sec. And you're not going to make any Jewish individual jealous by living a... The opposite, the antithesis of what Psalm 112 is. I'm broke. My kids are a mess. My family's a mess. My work life's a mess. My mind's a mess. You're not going to make anybody jealous to come join the flock when you're living like that. So what does God want to do? He wants to Psalm 112 you. <laughs> that's what He wants. Psalm 112. And that's what He wants to do in your life. So we have got to take that. We're supposed to make them jealous. Israel should be looking at us going, how are they having that? We heard this, that our ancestors lived in that way, but how come I'm not seeing it in my life? It's because we got Jesus, and now we can preach the gospel. Yes. That's what God's intention was. So you have to believe that God is good. Yeah. And as we read through Numbers chapter 13, God's plan for the Jews was more than slavery, was it not? Yeah. He has something better in store for them than slavery, than bondage, you know, than an insignificant life, than death, than poverty. He had something much more for them, right? So what did he want to do? He wanted then now to deliver them, and he used a man named Moses. Right? So Moses came on the scene and said, All right, Pharaoh, let my people go. Let's do this thing. And you know, you know the whole story. Pharaoh said no a few times, and what happened? God demonstrated his power and his might towards Egypt. Right? What was he doing? God wanted his people so badly out of that slavery, so badly out of that bondage, so badly under that oppression, and said, you do not belong there. I promise I'm in a covenant with Abraham. You're supposed to be over here in your own land. He hated it. So listen, you don't mess with God when you stay on God's covenant side. <laughs> right? So what did he do? He demonstrated his power, and at the same time, he said, once they got delivered, that wasn't the end of it. It wasn't that God just wanted them out of Egypt. He wanted them now out of Egypt to come meet them on Mount Sinai, so that now you can meet your Redeemer. Meet me. This is, this is who I am. The same experience Moses had on that Mount Sinai, God is saying, I want to show all of Israel who I am. Right? And from there, now, you go on and you can go into the promised land. It's the same thing with you and I. God didn't just want you out of sin so that you could, oh, be free, yay, I'm not sin anymore. No, He wanted more than that. He wanted now an intimate relationship with you. He calls you to Himself. So out of that relationship now, we live this life with Him in the fullness and the plan that He has for our lives. That's what He wants. So yes, it's great to be a Christian. Woo, I accept Jesus as Lord. That's good. That's the beginning point. You've probably heard that many times. It doesn't just end there. Now your life actually begins. 
So if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, rock on. That's step one. Now you've got this whole life with him, and he wants to show himself to you. He wants to have this intimate relationship with you. And out of this relationship, he starts to reveal to you the plans that he has for you. And they are amazing. They're glorious, right? Come on, somebody. Testify to this. Okay. <laughs> and as we said last week and a few weeks before, but God's got grapes. Say it with me, God's got grapes. For those of you that were not here, you're probably wondering, what on earth are you talking about? Well, you read it in, the, in Numbers chapter 13. Israel, here they are, standing on the brink of the land that was promised. And this is where God designed them to go. And all of a sudden, they had all these spies that come in. They came in with all the, look, here it is. This is the land. And the spies came back and talked to the Israelites. Here's the land. And this is what it looks like. Here's the grapes that it produces. And these are honking grapes. It took two men to carry the cluster of grapes. Huge grapes. Huge. And it says, yes, this is the life that God has for us. It's abundant. It's massive. It's gigantic. This is what he has. But then they start talking about the giants. But our focus is on, this is what God has for you. God's got grapes. Don't be settled with where you're at in your life. Maybe you've had some awesome experiences with God. Don't just let those awesome experiences hold you back from more that God has for you. There's more. Somebody say, there's more. There's got to be more. And that's why we said God's got more grapes. There is more. The situations that you're facing, don't let it dictate to you, oh man, this is what's going on in my life. This is happening in my body. This is what's not happening in this earth. I'm not seeing some of the, what the God promised in the word happen. Don't stop. Don't stop. Hang on to this. Man, this is what God's trying to get our attention. Focus on the grapes rather than the raisins. Right? So much of this time we get so caught up in the little things, the things that aren't working in life, and that becomes our central focus. And God's saying, look at the grape. Focus on these grapes. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's just back up a little bit. But where all this began is now we have to, week one, we talked about fighting for our future, right? Okay, everybody say fight. Okay, and before I just read on to this, I want to just say this one statement too. But I believe in life, what holds us back from enjoying it to the full is not knowing and believing God's unending, never giving up fierce love for me. I have got to know His love. This is the foundation for it all. Why do I keep saying God's got grapes? I want to get it on the inside of you that you don't live a satisfied life. That, okay, this is good enough. There's more. There has to be more. There's got to be more. Say it with me. There's more. There's more. God's got these grapes. And I don't want anybody just to kind of go, oh, this is good with life. This is, this is enough for me. Jesus paid too high of a price for you just to have an okay life. Everything that he died for, he perched, sent his, give his blood for, I want the whole thing. Right? Okay. So fighting for a future. Now, where are the grapes? They are in the land of the giants. <laughs> The land of the grapes is also the land of the giants. The devil is not going to just let you move forward. He's not going to just let you take what, feel, what you feel belongs to you. You're going to have to fight for your future. Okay, say it with me. Fight, fight for my future. You're going to have to put up the fight. Get the boxing gloves up. Get ready to duke this thing out. Right? Because why? The devil's not going to just say, oh yeah, this is, what, this is what's promised to you. Okay, here you go. Yeah, you have at it. No, he's going to do everything he can to squander that, to squish that. Why? Because he doesn't want you to be a testimony or a story for somebody else. Yeah. He doesn't want that. 
So again, with this fighting forward, and sorry, fighting for our future and moving forward, we have to we take it on this mindset that I am in a war. I am in a war. This is what God has promised me. This is what's already grace has provided for me. But it doesn't mean it's automatic. I got to receive it. And then the Bible says I have to fight the good fight of faith. So what am I doing? I'm laying hold of what the word of God says. You're struggling. There's maybe sickness in your physical body. What do you do? You look at what God has says and you hold on to that word regardless of what you feel and what you're experiencing physically. You hold on to the word. That's the fight that you and I are part of. Is that easy fight? No. Because he'll bring everything he possibly can. Oh, that stuff doesn't work. Oh, the Bible. Healing was done many, many, many years ago. He'll bring up all these lies to get you off your game, to get you out of battle. So all of a sudden you drop your gloves and go, yeah, I guess it just doesn't work. Hold fast. Fight. What's our fight every time he pokes his head up? Man, bam. Right in the kisser. Right in the kisser. What do I say? I'm using the word. No, by his stripes, I am healed. I'm making my stance. Every time he pokes his head up, you suck it to him. Don't play nice with him. Don't play fair with him. You use the name of Jesus and you give him everything you got. Anyways, that's what we talked about in week one. I encourage you, if you've not heard that, go back. You can check it out on our website or our podcast. Then last week, we talked about leaving our comfort zone. <laughs> I'm glad that was good. That went over well. We're leaving our comfort zone. One of the greatest threats to not walking out the plan of God for our lives is looking to live a life of comfort. Why do people crave comfort so much? Because it's comfortable. Hey, ding, ding, ding. There it is. It's comfortable. It's easy. This is a thought that I had too as well, is we like what comfort produces, which is predictable results. Don't make me change. Don't make me take a step out because then I have unpredictable outcomes that I'm not sure what's going to happen. Right? We like predictability. Right? That's what a lot of people like. But one thing that comfort does not produce is growth and advancement. That's one thing that comfort will never, ever produce. And so I want to share again this quote with you that I said to you last week. It says, We all have comfort zones which determine what we believe we can and can't do. And if you are not being proactive in pushing your boundaries and getting outside of your comfort zone, you are effectively surrendering all of the possibilities that exist outside of your comfort zone. God has deposited so much into you. There is so much grace that has been made available to you, not just out here, but on the inside of you. There are gifts and talents that are on the inside of you. But if you don't take a step out of it, you will never know what's actually there. So that's why it's vital to have, you know, people in your life that are going to push you. Yep. Get going. Let's go. But it's uncomfortable. Good. Get used to being uncomfortable. Because yeah. again, the Christian life, did God call us to comfort? No. No. Three people said no. The rest of y'all, what, what do you think? <laughs> did God call us to comfort? No. no. What did he call us to? Transformation. Right. That's part of the Christian life. I'm not here to conform or just look like the world or just be comfortable in my own Christianity. He came here to transform me into who? Into the image of His Son. That's, right. That's why I'm on this earth. Yeah. Right? Romans 8, 29. I'll read that to you real quick. It says, For those whom He foreknew, love, and chose beforehand, He also predestined to, conform, to be conformed to the image of His Son and ultimately share in His complete sanctification. You know, I'm just even going from my own personal walk with the Lord. I have never once ever experienced a time where he, Joel, you just be comfortable for a little bit. You know, just enjoy this comfort for a little while. Just, you know, just stagnate. 
Just stay there. Don't grow. Just, you know, don't even read the word anymore. You're, you're okay with where you're at. You know, it might sound funny, but people actually say this. I've heard this said to me. Oh, God just, you know, God just has me on this one thing. I, he told me not to read the word anymore. <laughs> Come again? I won't say anything further than that, but are you kidding me? God is never just, okay, I just take it easy, because He's interested in you and I being transformed into the image of His Son. Right? We're all on the same page there? Now, we, if we, the church, as or believers, if we choose to comfort over the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God cannot advance. As long as we choose comfort, the kingdom of God will just stay where it is in your own personal life. In fact, it will start to begin to retract. Right? We were here on an assignment. We are here on a mission, and the mission is to advance. The mission is to go forward. The mission is to take over. Right? We're not here on a survival mission. Where Jesus said, all right, everybody, just hang out. Do the best that you can with what you got. Just, just make it, and I'm coming back for you. No, he said he's coming back for a what kind of church? A glorious church. A powerful church. Not a church that's been beaten, whipped, and barely making it. He's looking for a victorious church. Come on, y'all. This is what he's coming back for. Right? So this is what we're here for. We're here not to just conform to what's going on. We're here to take a step forward. Every single time, every day you wake up, the devil's going to start peeing his pants. Oh, they're up again. They're, we, start, we keep losing ground every time that they wake up. Excellent. All right. Okay. We get out of our comfort zone so that others may see him and live. We have to get out of our comfort zone. If we don't, how are they going to see Jesus? How are they going to experience eternal life? We have got to make that step, right? A comfortable Christian is not a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And again, this is a mindset that we're flipping. But comfort is overrated. Discomfort is something I'm going to embrace. Nothing good ever came from being comfortable. No advancements took place being comfortable. Think about it. Even husbands, when you, you know, proposed to your wife, was that comfortable? Oh, man. All of a sudden you realize, man, you could sweat. You needed to put piss stick everywhere, man. I'm just sweating all over the place. Behind my knees, I just... It's uncomfortable, guy, because you've never done something like that before. Right? So what did you do when you made that step? But now look what you got. You got a marriage. You have kids that came out of that marriage. Ah! Right? It's wild. You have no idea by just taking a simple natural step what's being activated on the inside of you and the future that now lays hold for you. It's amazing. You know, I just... I see a... a one of the girls that I, abs I absolutely love and adore, Shay Thompson in the back here. I just see her. She's nodding her head back there. And I just want to give a shout out to Shay. Shay, can I just use you as an illustration? You're cool? Okay. So I met Shay when I was youth pastoring. Shay came to our youth group every once in a while. I think you were in grade eight. Is that right, Shay? Okay. She was in grade eight. Now this girl, man, she's got the sweetest little smile, but she would show up to youth group and just, hey, Shay, good to see you. Okay. Right, Shay? Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? And I, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, this is how she was. Just very, you know, very shy, very, you know, kind of in the back scenes. And uh, she came and be part of our internship that we ran here a couple years ago called The Stand. Right? And what that was was just a, it's an opportunity for you to deepen your walk with the Lord, for you just to take some time to, you know, self-discovery, find out what has God put on the inside of you. Shay did that for two years. And I can honestly say, that girl in that back corner there it is completely night and day difference. Yes. She has stepped out of her comfort zone. Shay, I'm so proud of you. She did some traveling on her own, started photography, doing different things. And now she's starting a job at Hope Mission, reaching kids. Think about that for you. Yeah, that's good for you, man. 
Is that, is that comfortable when somebody... Shay, come on in. Like, we're going to go evangelize in the mall. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm okay. No, no, Shay, this is what we're doing. Okay. And she just went with it and took step after step. And now this girl is preaching to high or junior high students. You go, girl. Then now you didn't even like, you don't even realize what's on the inside of you until you start taking some of these steps. And as long as we keep holding back and saying, oh, that's, that's not who I am. Don't let that statement ever come out of your mouth again. That's not who I am. Listen, you have a personality. A personality doesn't have you. I own my personality. Come on, I own it. I'm shy. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. How do I know that? Because God never created a shy person once. Why? What is shy? It's actually fear. Part of it is also pride. I don't want to be like that. You gotta. I want to encourage. There's so much more inside of you, but until you take that step, oh, that's who I am. Oh, it's not working. It gets exciting. That's when this Christian life gets thrilling. Is you start taking steps and we're advancing the kingdom of God. Hurrah! Okay. So last statement on that: When you feel discomfort hit, you've entered the growth zone. Embrace it. Let's go get uncomfortable. Say with me, let's get uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Alright, that didn't work out so well. But let's get uncomfortable. I want, I want to embrace that mindset. Think about it. Let's get uncomfortable. Sometimes I on purpose like to put people in uncomfortable situations. You know what was uncomfortable for me? When Jamie and I started first dating, I hated the phone. For part of it is I was really bad at communication. So what I would do is I would write out questions before our phone conversation. I would write them out on a piece of paper and just go, Hey, like, what's your name again? <laughs> How old are you? Okay. What's your, what's your favorite sport team? What's your New Year's resolution? It's August. Oh, are you keeping up with it? Like, <laughs> I had nothing. And so she, actually, you could ask her, on purpose, she would let the awkward silence just there on the phone for a while. So you're just kind of... Well, my mom's calling me. (laughs) Mom, say something. (laughs) Dinner time? Oh, it's it's dinner time. I I gotta go. Okay, talk to you later. No. (laughs) That'd be it. But she would on purpose do those things. Why? Well, she's trying to grow me. I appreciate that. But you gotta get uncomfortable. Find people in your life that will make you uncomfortable. If you need help, I'll help you. (laughs) All right. So moving forward, we talked about these two things. We must fight for our future. We must be willing to leave our comfort zones. And this third one that I want to share just the last little bit on is we have got to lock in and focus on the word. What has he spoken to us that we lock into it? Now, I do want you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. And I want to just ask this question. I really want to think through this. Take some time on this. Because it's vital, yes, that we fight for a future. It's vital that, yeah, we do take a step. But all of this, I truly believe, stems from this. This be the groundwork almost. That we have to have a certain mindset. Now, what caused the Israelites to not enter the promised land? Was it the giants? You know, a lot of times you think about it, like, okay, there's giants in the land. Right? This is what God destined for me. This is what God promised me. This is where I'm going. Okay, but all of a sudden these problems come at you, right? You start facing difficulty, you start facing issues. Are the issues, the trials that are coming against you, is that the problem? 
No, and you, know, you can look at this also in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus talks about the sower sowing the word. The word's going out, but some of the word does not produce because trials and tribulations come for the word's sake. People think that people are the problem or that trials are the problem or that problems are the problem. Problems are not the problem. Yeah. Trials are not the problem. It's how you view yourself to the trial is the problem. So again, let me ask you this question. Is it the giants that kept Israel from the promised land? If you ask these ten spies, what would they say? Yes. Right? A lot of Christians would say the same thing. Well, this is just what's going on in my body. This is what's going on externally around me. I can't have this. I can't experience this because this is what's happening. The problem is not actually the problem. We got, we got to get, we got, we're thinking wrong on this. The Israelites saw this promised land. And again, I want you to really think about this. Right? They were in slavery for 400 years. Okay, and all of a sudden, they get delivered. They walk out of Egypt. And I believe this. man. They, they, Moses said, I'm going to bring you to Mount Sinai. I'm going to introduce you to God. Okay, just think about the buzz that was happening. People are getting excited. And all of a sudden, okay, Moses tells them, all right, God's coming in three days, so prepare yourself. Okay, listen, Jehovah is on his way down. Get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. So what happens? All of a sudden, the people prepare themselves. And on the third day, God comes down in a cloud. And man, he just, well, he burnt the whole mountain. <laughs> Lightning is there. Cloud is there. And it's just thick. And all of a sudden, people go, oh, okay, we actually don't want to talk to him. Moses, why don't you talk to him for us? And we'll be okay with that. Now, I, I believe that hurt God's heart right at that moment. What did he want? He wanted his people close. So, okay, well, God says that's what they want. Okay, that's, that's what we'll do, right? So Moses and God, they had this relationship that Moses was going to talk to the people. So after this situation, they walk over to the promised land. There they are standing above it, and they're looking down into it, and it looks amazing. There's land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land of abundance. We can raise our family here. Man, just think about moms and dads talking to their kids while the spies are there for 40 days. Man, what do you think the spies are talking? What do you think they're seeing right now? Oh, I bet you they're seeing like, there's a waterfall and this flowing with milk and honey. And like, it's amazing and all these cool things, right? They're just talking about talking it up, talking it up, getting so excited about that. And all of a sudden, these spies come back and they give this report and they say, yeah, man, everything we thought and imagined, this is what the land looks like. It is gorgeous. These people never had a land of their own. They've been in slavery for 400 years, generations upon generations. And now this next generation is going to see it. This, wouldn't that get you excited? Yes. Man, you're able, you're going to step into it. You're going to go into the promised land. That, man, we heard this. This is what God promised our forefather Abraham that this is going to happen. And ah, they're talking it up. The hype is up. Man, there's just some crazy vibe going on in that camp. What do you think it's going to be like? And they start talking this whole thing. And all of a sudden, the spies come back. And I want you to read it here with me. Numbers 13. And look at this. Verse 20. Seven, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Verse 28, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. Verse 31. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't. 
We what? Can't. We can't do it. Always be part of the we can club. Always. Always stay on that side. Always be on God's side. It looks impossible. We can. Come on, somebody. This will change your life. It's your stinking thinking that gets in the way. I can't do this. Get rid of that. That mindset will hold you back from all that God's got for you. We can. I can. Paul even said it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. Why? Because he's on the inside of me. With God, all things are possible. we got to get this mindset back, church. we got to start having this. God's calling us to take cities over. He's calling us to take nations over. Rather than Islam doing their thing, Christianity. Let's pick it up. We are here. We're in charge. This earth belongs to us. Red deer belongs to us. The devil has no say in this thing. It belongs to us. But Christians have got to get the mindset right. we got to change our thinking. Oh, you see what the devil's doing. Forget what the devil's doing. Look what God's doing. He's building us up. Here we are. You're not going to see this on CNN. But here we are, a group of people hungry for Jesus. And what's happening? He's changing us on the inside to make lasting change on the outside. We're growing, right? We're all growing in this. Okay, 31. We can go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes up to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. Verse 33, I want to read it to you in the Amplified. It says this, There we saw the Nephilim, or giants, the sons of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. What was the issue? The issue is a grasshopper mentality. Now, I want you to just see this image for a sec. Granny, you can put up that little cute little grasshopper there. But I want you to look at this for a sec. This is how they saw themselves. Like this, these are men. Huh, burly men. And here all of a sudden, you look like that. If there's anybody you want to slap, it's this guy. Right? What, what, what's wrong? Was it the giants the problem? No, it was how they saw themselves in comparison to the giants. He said, we looked as grasshoppers. Let me read it again to you. In our own sight, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. In whose sight? In the giant's sight. Who told them that? So let me ask you that question. Who's telling you some of this stuff? Who's telling you you can't get that job? Who's telling you you can't get that raise? Who's telling you that your family's going to be a wreck and it's going to continue that way? Who told you that? Who told you that you're going to be broke all your life? Who told you that poverty just you know, runs in our family? Who told you you're going to be with that disease for the rest of your life? Who told you that that cancer is going to dominate you and eventually kill you? Who's telling you stuff? Why? Because somebody's getting information from somewhere. This grasshopper mentality is killing people left, right, and center. Oh, I guess this is what's going on. This is just what happens in my family tree. Who told you that? My mom did, and then my grandma did, and my great-great-grandma did, and my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandma. It just goes down on our women's side. Who's feeding that to you? And you're embracing it and you're taking it in? We're creating our own futures by what we're hearing. This is what God had designed for them. He designed the promised land for them, right? He said, this is what I got called you for. This is what's intended for you. But something got in them that messed the whole thing up. So I want you to see this, but they actually recreated their future. <laughs> they recreated it. How did they do that? Out of your heart. 
flows life. So let me just show you this. Proverbs chapter 4. But what I like, I mean, I don't want to just focus on these 10 guys. And then <laughs> if you read chapter 14, it's very depressing. But all of a sudden it says the whole Israel, the whole camp, bawled the entire night long. Like, listen, that's 3 million people crying all night long. What does that sound like? Do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> sorry, dumb and dumber quote. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it went on and on. God, why don't you just leave us in Egypt and kill us there? I honestly, God's just kind of like, ah, it's too much. So what happened? You see this whole thing, but an entire generation did not enter the promised land. <laughs> can, you see, can you see this? This is huge. This isn't just a cute story about Israel. This is for you and I as well. Man, there's the promised land. And I love this. Two guys, or sorry, I should say four, Abraham, Aaron, Caleb, and Joshua. These four men. <laughs> well, actually, I shouldn't even say that. Caleb and Joshua were the only ones that entered the promised land. Two men. Out of three million people. So this is also very true. That just because the Christian world believes something does not mean that it's right. Just because the biggest crowd, this is where the biggest Christian crowds are going, does not make them, that's where the move of God is. Look at that. You've got three million plus ten spies that totally went against what God was saying. And they led an entire generation of people away from what God had called them to do. Wow, that's kind of a mind-boggling thing for me to think of. And so what happened? These men and women, all of that, everybody under the age of 20, or over the age of 20, died in the wilderness. They walked, they walked for 40 years, and it was an 11-day journey. <laughs> Talk about a wrong turnoff <laughs> for a very long time. So man, this is God's plan. This is His will. Now you and I, we are called by God to move forward. God is revealing himself to us to say, all right, I'm calling you church, so let's take a step. Let's go forward. we got to fight for this. But how's your thinking as we're moving in? we got to think right in this. Okay? Proverbs chapter 4. And so what do we do with all this? How do I do this? Proverbs 4 verse 20. And I know these are very familiar scriptures to you, but I want you to read it with these fresh eyes and how vital it is that we hear them. It says, my child... What are the next verses? Two, two words? Pay attention. Pay attention. How many, how many times, parents, do you say that to your kids in a day? For those that don't have toddlers quite yet, you say it at least 50 to 60 times. The time that I get home by the time they go to bed. Pay attention. Here we go. Come on, boys. Bring it on. Bring it in. Bring it in. Sometimes I have to tackle them to you know, get them to hold still for a moment. Listen, boys. I got this. Listen. Pay attention. But he's saying, pay attention to what I say. Meanwhile, what is the Christian world doing? What, what are they saying about it? What is Facebook saying? What's the high point today? What's, what's all this going on here? Listen to what I say. What I say. Listen carefully to what? My words. Verse 21. Let my words. I'm sorry. Don't lose sight of them. You know what we read in Psalm 112? Right? This, is, this is talking about standing fearfully and confidently. This is how you do this. But what happened to the Israelites? They lost sight of what God said. Right? He said, let my words penetrate deep into your heart. Why does it have to be deep in your heart? Because someone out there, there's an evil entity out there, the devil, is trying to do everything he can to get that seed out from you. 
He's trying to put something in. The devil's trying to get it out. That's why he's saying get it deep on the inside of you so that no matter what comes your way, you are able to stand confidently and fearlessly and I can face my foes triumphantly. That's what he's looking for. Remember, he's Psalm 112 in us. This is what he's looking for. Okay, verse 22. He said, guard your... Verse 22. My child... No, okay. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Why? Verse 22 says, I'll read it here, For they, my words, bring life to those who find them and health to your whole body. Verse 23, Guard your heart above all else. Why? Why? Because out of my heart flows the issues of life. Verse 24, Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Verse 25, I love these words. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. 26. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So go back to verse 23 for a sec. we got to spend some time on this. I know this is a very popular scripture, but this is of the utmost importance. Guard your heart. Protect this heart of yours, because out of it is flowing choices. Out of this heart, you're making, well, the way that I wrote it here, and I want to share this with you, I am creating my future from my heart. That's what's happening. I'm creating my future from on the inside of me. Right? Can you see that? Out of my heart flows the issues of life. What did Israel do? This is what God called them to. This is what God blessed them and said, this is what I have for you. And what happened? They changed their future because of what was happening on the inside of them. We have you see that? Okay. So my future, again now, is more internal than it is external. Future, your future is more internal than it is external. Listen, you and I are going into the future whether you realize it or not, but you are starting to make plans for the future that you don't even maybe aware of. You're making decisions based on what's happening on the inside. Can you see that? So what do we do? I have to now align myself with God and His Word, I need to believe who He says that I am. I need to go back to what is God saying about this. I need to hold on to this and let that Word be my final truth. Is that making sense? I need to switch mics here for a second, otherwise I explode. Yeah, check. There we go. Leave me on. It says the future doesn't just happen. It comes from within you. I'm entering a future whether I realize it or not. Great futures, great churches, great relationships, great finances aren't born. They are built. Giants will come any time that you and I choose to go forward. So I don't know about you, but what's stirring up on the inside of me even is I want to now start and I want to defeat some of these giants so that my kids can see the power of God work in me. Our kids, this generation, the generation that's downstairs needs us to demonstrate what Joshua and Caleb demonstrated, saying, oh no, we we got this. This is what he's calling us to do. Let's go. Let's take that land. We're able to possess it. Our kids need to see some giant slain. How do we do that? We got to hold fast to what God has said about us. 
We need to hold fast about what God has said that we are capable of doing. Because the moment we look at it and let the external circumstances dictate, oh, I'm not able to do this. Or, yeah, that the promise is, I see it in God's word, but this is what's going on in me. That ain't good enough. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry to see the word working in people's lives. It's here to perform, is it not? Jeremiah 1.12, God said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. This is what he's doing. The word, I sent my word and it healed them. Everything about the word is to produce. Why? Because it's a seed. It's a seed, it's a seed, it's a seed. So let me encourage you. Our ear gates, our mouth gates, our eye gate are vital. What are you listening to? What do you spend time seeing? Because this is what's filling your heart. And out of your heart, you're making choices. This is what the government's doing. Oh, that seed gets on the inside of you, starts to grow. Now I'm making a decision based on what I think they're going to do. Can you see this? Meanwhile, God's got a whole book of seeds right here on your lap. And he's saying, get this word on the inside of you so that you start making decisions based off of this, not of what's happening external. Doesn't he tell us that we walk by faith, not by sight? Right? What does that mean? I walk by the word. I walk by what he says, not by what I see out here. I got to stick to the word. How do I know that the word has taken root on the inside of me? You start making choices on this. A lot of people have done that. When it comes to tithing even, when it comes to, you know, becoming part of a community, of a local church, you see that people make those decisions. Like when Joe and Joanna gave their testimony, I loved it. They just say, yeah, we found a place that we belong. That just shows that the word got root on the inside of them. Psalm 92 says, those that get rooted and planted in the house of God, they shall flourish. Now what's going to happen in their lives, they're automatically going to flourish. Because they've made a choice on the inside. I am rooting myself and planting myself in a local body, not based on just seems like the right thing to do, based on this is what the Word tells me to do. Can you see this? That's all that this is. Christianity is not hard. We just have to get the word seed in my heart and I make decisions based off of that seed that I planted in my heart and the results are God makes it work. Can you see that? Ah, I just want you to get it. That's all that's on my inside of my heart. But can we